Well, then it's a funner. Um, this morning, I have the pleasure of being able to unpack with you what came out of uh, the hui that we had together. We had two hui's in which we got you all to kind of give us some feedback, ask some questions, you know, write down some thoughts. And, you know, there was actually quite a lot of feedback. No, that's just a portion of it. You know why I'm away for four months? There's a lot of stuff to go through here. Um, but these are just the questions and maybe some, some thoughts. It's not even the ideas that we, that we got written down. We had seven pages. It was amazing. It was amazing to see that kind of feedback, that kind of involvement, that kind of wanting to share. So I'm, I'm really appreciative of everything you guys wrote. So it's kind of hard for me to answer everything that's out here, right? And it's hard to even do that in just one sermon. And a lot of it, uh, some questions in particular, we'll need some more time to kind of work through. The, one of the themes that did come out was, oh, maybe we should sell the building or, or, you know, maybe we need to knock it down and rebuild it or, you know, make it more purpose-built. Those are fantastic questions, but they do need more time. And we're not going to answer them this side of Christmas. Right? But they are things that are definitely on our minds and that might need a little bit more unpacking over time. What I thought I'd do this morning is just share with you a little bit about some of the things that we've done in the past when we've asked for the church for feedback. Some of the things that we've heard from you previously. And one of the things I've realized since the last time I went on sabbatical, the church actually is radically different since then. Radically different. Um, so much has happened in the last four years that it's, it's just mind-boggling. And for me personally, it's 13 years in New Zealand where it just feels like constant, constant change, whether it's being in Christchurch during the earthquakes, moving here and going through the pandemic. So one thing uh, uh, Jean shared with me this past week was this little thing she put together, just kind of giving a map of where we have come from as a church and some of the things that we have done and some of the things that we have kind of worked through and worked on. I mean, this church was always a very strong community-focused church. In about uh, six years' time, we're going to hit 100 years as a church. And a lot of the churches in the valley are there because this church sent out people to plant churches. Avalon, Wainui, there was a, 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 an outreach in Nainai, an outreach in Moera. There was an outreach in, in um, uh, what's that place between here and Silverstream? Stokes Valley. Sorry. You pass it, you never go in. Yeah. Um, you know, there was all these places and all these uh, outreaches that were done in the community. Um, Boys Brigade was huge. Talk to Stu about that. It was huge. I remember when I arrived here in 2016, there was still quite a lot of stuff from Boys Brigade in our building. It, it, and a lot of the people that we meet in the streets, a lot of older people who have been impacted by Boys Brigade or by Ludlam House, you know, for the girls, or the house for the boys in Moeda. And not only that, but all the prayer and the church plants and the family intergenerational ministries, the youth ministry here has always been a big thing always been a big thing. And, you know, in the year 2000, you know, people think we'd started the bicultural journey just recently. 
No, we, we started it 23 years ago. And then in 2008, moving to here and having this vision, this dream, uh, this picture of being part of the river of life, close to the river of Te Awakairangi, and, and being an overflow of God's spirit into our community here in Hutt Central. In fact, uh, a lot of words were placed at that time to say, hey, pictures of cups overflowing. In 2016, Steve Shallard, who was a former pastor, you know, um, a member of our church, an elder as well, he preached this sermon in 2016 and had an indelible impact on us as a church. And out of it, he, he, he kind of prayed Isaiah 47.9 over us, that the waters of God's Holy Spirit will pour out from this place, out into the community. And out of that sermon, as we were building the frontage and redesigning that all, we actually painted that center section blue to represent this water, this river of life pouring out into the community. And many people don't know that, but I remember, I didn't remember it was going to be that blue. I remember when we sat with the architect, I asked for a blue and it came out that blue. And I was like, wow, that is blue. But that's exactly what it's about, this idea that there is this river flowing that holds on to that original call back, way back when people before us had seen God's vision for who we are to be here in Hut Central. Of course, that blue is now part of our logo. You can see it there, kind of right in between these two other streams, the jam, as I like to say. And our logo has a lot of significance, and I know I haven't preached on this since the logo, which actually was over four years ago. But to remind you what this is, the thing that's on top, the stuff that people see is this whole action thing being released in action. This is the outward expression of us, to be a people guided by the Holy Spirit, to be empowered and released in action, to bring God's light, truth, love, and hope to our community. But that stems from this water, this overflowing of God's love. The jam in the middle of it all, it comes out of this, and we talk about actually not just doing, but being rich also in love. Because action cannot come but from love. A people transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ to be rich in love and intentional unity. This is the connection. The connection that connects us with the base, the foundation of who we are as Hutt City's Baptist Church. And that is a people growing in faith. This is the foundation from where everything comes. A people who are strong in faith by growing deeper in God's word. The growing that then connects us to love, that then connects us to action. This is what it means to be part of our church. This is our mission. This, you see the words up front here, day in, day out. Strong in faith, committed to growing. Rich in love, committed to relationship and connecting and released in action, committed to going out and sharing that faith and that love. This is what we're about. 
the pieces that bring us together. And it's fascinating reading through, you know, your comments and thoughts and, you know, some of the good things that you love about this place, the teaching, the worship, the prayer, the heart. It all begins by being strong in faith. Begins with having a foundation that is strong. James, in his book, he says this. He says, the person or the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. And it's a harsh word, but I love this version of, of that passage. It's almost like a commentary from the Voice Bible. It says, those who depend only on their judgment are like those lost on the seas, carried away by any wave or picked up by any wind. Those adrift on their own wisdom shouldn't assume that the Lord will rescue them or bring them anything. The splinter of divided loyalty shatters your compass and leaves you dizzy and confused. And part of our job here to lay a strong foundation, that foundation is in faith so we aren't tossed about through the waves, that we aren't thrown about by the wind, that we aren't confused or, or dizzy, that we have a strong foundation in Jesus Christ. And it's interesting because, I mean, especially lately, Christianity has taken this kind of wobbly thing going where people are quoting Bible quotes that are not actually in the Bible, that people are acting in ways that might sound really cool, but it's not biblical. And it sounds confusing, and it's, it's spinning people's heads. We want to be a people that have strong faith and that our foundation is in God's word. Romans 7.21 going on, Paul says this, he says, I've discovered this principle in life that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. I love God's law with all my heart. But there is a power within me that is at war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to sin that is still within me. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Thank God the answer is in Jesus Christ our Lord. So you see how it is. My mind, I really want to obey, obey God's law. But because of my sinful nature, I'm a slave to sin. That's why it's important. Our nature is always at loggerheads with God. And so we want to create an environment that is strong in faith. 1 Samuel says, The Lord does not look at the things people look at, but the Lord, the people look at the outward things. We, we see people bowing, we see people on their knees, we see people going to church, but God's far more interested about what's going on inside of you. Inside of you. And Jesus himself in Matthew chapter 7, says anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise, like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Though the rain comes in torrents or the winds or the waves, no matter what, they rise and beat against that house, but it won't collapse because it's built on bedrock. So what does strong in faith mean for us? Well, it sums up in one word. Discipleship. It's not a word that a lot of us like because it's used over and over again. But it is a powerful word. 
some of the things that you might be able to see, it begins actually with the discipline of being here on a Sunday. And by the way, kudos to you guys. I know there was a 21st last night. I know that you were all out till late and you're still here. That's awesome. That's our young people. It's a discipline. It's a growth. You know, it's not fun coming here on Sunday mornings. It's wet and rainy. It's cold. I'd love to stay in bed and read a nice book. No. Or it's a lovely sunny day, which doesn't happen often, but it usually happens on a Sunday morning. It's a discipline that we want to connect, and part of Sunday is coming in. The teaching that we do is not ad hoc. It's actually very intentional. This year, for example, we started with the Warren of Fitness. We wanted you to be focused on what's actually going on inside of you. How are you doing? Where are you at? And we went through this series of unpacking ourselves in relationship to our walk with God. And then after that, we kind of looked at God's temple when we did that whole series on Take Me In and talked about, well, what does God expect from us? And then this last series that we finished last week was Faith in Action. What does that look like? What does it look like to, you know, seeing where I'm at, seeing where God wants me to be at, how does that work out in life? We saw it through Elijah and Elisha. And now, as I go away, you're going to get 16 weeks on the book of Philippians. And guess what the tagline is? To live as Christ. And it may not seem intentional from where you're sitting, but everything we try to do here is intentional. So part of discipleship begins with the discipline of Sundays, becoming part of a life group and having intentional accountability relationships. That's something we still actually really need to work on, and I'd love some help when I get back, because maybe that's going to be something that we're going to focus on next year, mentoring programs, helping people, coming alongside people, because that's where a lot of growth comes in those one-on-one relationships. I, I can't do it all on my own. I'm going to need some help. So I've given you 16 weeks advance notice. And also carving time out in your day for prayer and being intentional in your relationship, in your walk with God, communicating and talking. This is all part of our discipleship process. And our job as a community to make sure these things are happening. And out of this growth, out of what we see in faith, we go to rich in love. Because out of faith and understanding the purpose of that cross and what Jesus has done for us, how can we not love? Nadia Boltzweber was asked a question. She was asked to find the good news of Jesus in a few short words, and she came up with seven words in this statement, we are who God says we are. Now, the person who was interviewing her said, can you unpack that for me? What do you mean? And she said this. She said, in the incarnation, the life, death, and resurrection of Christ, we see that God is so for us and with us that we can no longer be defined according to death. We are who God says we are, the forgiven, the broken, and blessed children of God, the ones to whom God draws near. Unfortunately, sometimes we flip that and we say things like, we are who we say we are, rather than we are who God says we are. And when it comes to love, we define love as we see love. But here's the thing. 
in Ephesians 5.1, imitate God, therefore, in everything you do. Why? Because you are his dear children. That's who you are. So what does it mean to imitate God? What does that look like? Well, one John tells us God is love, and all who live in love live in God, and God lives in them. So if God is love, and we need to imitate God, what does that make us? But what does love look like? Everyone know what this is? I get it in my text when Monica texts me, I get a few X's. Just from Monica though, by the way, okay? No, Sam, I don't get any texts from you with X's on the end of them. XO, XO, kiss hugs, kiss hugs, right? The interesting thing about the X, yeah, it's 1763 when the Oxford Dictionary first defined X as a kiss. And go figure, huh? Everyone's going to remember that at the end of this sermon, right? <laughs> Everything else is forgotten. Everyone's like, did you know? Yeah. Great. Well done, Rob. <laughs> um, going on, X, though, the letter itself is Greek in origin, right? It comes from uh, the Greek alphabet. And the one thing that changed around about 100 AD, it became a symbol, a symbol that was forgotten for a very long time because people were getting it confused. Because they lived in the Roman world, what does X stand for in the Roman world? Ten. So people saw these Xs everywhere and didn't realise what they were talking about until they discovered the Greek word for Christ is Christos. X was the defining way of people connecting with one another in a world where they couldn't be open about their faith. We all know about the fish. That was obvious. But no one saw the obviousness of the X. So when we talk about love, we talk about sacrificial love. Simple X. Marked what brings us together, the cross. And so when we talk about rich in love, we talk about rich in sacrificial love, in giving to each other, to serving the Lord, to reaching our community and sharing the love of the one who loved us first, Jesus Christ. And we mark it with an X. It's all about relationship. It's all about relationship. I'll give you a moment to read through this. And if you can tell me where in the Bible this is from. Good on you. I've done that enough times, haven't I? But just look at it. Look what they're doing every day. You can't help but think they're a bit of an exclusive group, aren't they? They're doing quite a lot together, aren't they? 